Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. On the podcast today, joining from Melbourne, Australia, are Booty Miller, co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others, and myself in Puebla, Mexico. The Theatre of Others creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Hey, Booty. How you doing? Doing okay. Yeah? Yeah, how are you Well, doing? you know, it's, well, it's still spring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's turning fall here. Yeah, but you know, the weather here in Melbourne is like, it's like San Francisco, mm. so you can't depend on it. It's always different. Every day is different. <laughs> right. And every hour is different, literally. You have to, like, you know, basically, one block, one block has rain, the next block has sunshine, the next block has snow, and then the next block has, like, <laughs> gusts of wind that are blow- <laughs> that are blow you into the next state. At least the sky isn't orange. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Remember at the yeah. beginning of 2020 when, Aust- when all of Australia was on fire? Remember way back at the yeah. beginning of this year? And now San Francisco and all of California? Is well, that that's like- the thing that's... But it's like, it's so crazy because like, um, just before... Because we were in Bali when all the fires were happening. And mm-hmm. then I had uh, told Akshay to bring a bunch of uh, masks from uh, China. And, and you know me, I was like, I want them to be fashionable and I want them to be, I want them to be, uh, you know, <laughs> approved by the government that, you know, you can wear these out in public. Yeah. And I had these really, he got me these really cute masks and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and I was like, well, I got masks. It's like, it's this, it, since like, because the thing is, it was the, the, um, the soot was so bad. It was just like, you know, when we were in Singapore, we would have the haze. the haze. It was really bad. Like, I was surprised at how bad it was. Yeah. Like, when we had flown in um, from Bali and the, you could actually see the billowing, the billowing up of the smoke. And I was like, wow. oh, my goodness, this is bad. And so when I got to, it wasn't in, it wasn't in my neighborhood, but when I was down in, uh, in uh, South Bank where the school is, it was really bad. And I was like... Oh my goodness! This is just like this is worse than Singapore. Yeah, and you know, I was really happy to have the mask. You know, <laughs> the fashionable mask. I, and I didn't think I was going to have to wear it again because it, it started to clear up. And then, good old coronavirus <laughs> slapped us again. Yeah, 
You know, when you said when you said you you're going to have Akshay bring you some masks from China, I was thinking, ooh, what kind of masks are they? Chinese opera masks? Are they like I was thinking straight up theater? No, you were you were thinking the apocalypse. So <laughs> <laughs> my gut was like, you need a mask. Because, you know, I'm very sensitive. I have very yeah. sensitive lungs, you know. I was re- I was a mess in Singapore when we had the haze. Oh, it was yeah. really bad. I, I so remember. I was just remembering that. Yeah. We missed the the the, the big haze. The the one the, the worst haze of all was the summer of your wedding. So we missed all of it. But I remember all of our friends back there going like, oh, my God, we've got to get off the island. We've got to get off the island. And now <laughs> that's like every single day in San Francisco. I talked to my I talked to my childhood best friend Josh, and mm. his wife is uh, his wife is a doctor, and she's at Stanford Medical, so she's been dealing with coronavirus from the very beginning. And uh, you know, mm. it's he's a he works in the theater, so they're getting hit on all kinds of fronts there. But he basically says he's like they've got a bug out bag, they've got a you know they they're just ready at all times. They've got two five gallon jugs and uh, a bug out bag, and they're ready to just go. They don't know where they're going to go. If What's they a have bug to. out bag? When shit hits the fan, when the apocalypse happens, when something really bad happens, you've got, you know, a flashlight, a first aid kit, some clothes, some water, some food. Like it's just a, it's a go bag. It's like, ah. so they've got a bug out bag at the, you know, either you keep it in your car or you keep it, you know, by the front door so that you can just grab it and go. you like, you don't need to like, where's, where's the kit? Where are the kids at? Oh my God. Grab the cat. Where's the family album? You know, it's just like, just go. <laughs> <laughs> grab the cat. Grab your kids. They, they, they're oh, trying to rape people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is that? What is that? What is that? <laughs> Hide your kids. Hide the dog. Hide you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hide your your your, ba- your breakout bag. Yeah. <laughs> your bug out. Is it bug out bag? Breakout bug out bag. B u g b u g bug out. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever heard of that. Really? Well, you know, clearly I'm going to be. Well, clearly I'm going to be okay in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, there's a whole, there's a whole subculture of preppers and people who are like you know they're they're stocking up. There's there's people out there that are going to survive the apocalypse, and the rest of us are going to be, you know, unless you got a bug out bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know. Well, I think my bug out bag will have some Mac um, lip glass mm-hmm. for my lips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, important. Um, either a Gucci shoe or a um, Balenciaga shoe. Yeah, good for of course. There'll, there'll be sneakers, of course. Yeah, of course there'll be sneakers for running. Yeah. Away yeah, from the course, zombies, for running. Yes, for running away from the zombies. And the, um, yeah. well, then and then I'll, I'll wear Rick Owens because you know it's comfortable. It, it can, you can you can dress it up, dress it down, and you can yeah. run and fight, kill zombies. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You heard it here, folks. Uh, we the the theater of others endorses <laughs> uh, being as fashionable as you can while running from death. <laughs> That was the, that was the whole thing. That was the whole funny thing about um, when we first started uh, quarantining and locking down. Like my uh, Akshay's cousins were here, and so like they're like executive chefs. Like uh, his his cousin's husband. He's like he is like the whole reason why he got his um, his permanent residence in Australia is because he's a kick ass chef. Hmm. And so I was with like. <laughs> gourmet chefs during the whole first lockdown and it was the funniest thing people were like how you going i was like i'm eating like a king i mean the best i've ever <laughs> eaten in my entire life 
<laughs> he's drinking champagne, having having gourmet meals. And, you know, Akshay always, you know, he's a busybody. So I never had to go out. They would all do all the shopping and come back and, like, make these gourmet meals for me. Mm. So I was, I was you know, doing it the right way. So that's, that's my bug out bag. My bug out bag is I'm going to, my bug out bag is I'm going to stuff it with um, two my Indian cousins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My two Indian chefs. Um, Akshay's best friend because she's also an amazing chef as well. And, and, um, and I think that'll be it. That's all I need. <laughs> That's a, you know, that's a, that's a really great transition into kind of what we're talking about today, because I was going to try and bring this up, but you, you've, you've led into this so beautifully. I was watching a thing earlier today about, uh, there's this guy on YouTube, he's called Alex, the French, French guy who cooks or something like that. I'll link it in the show notes, everybody. He's basically, you know, he's a French guy who is trying to deconstruct every single part of a cooking process. To help everybody else out. So like, you know, your your oven at home won't go above 500 degrees. So how can you ever cook a Neapolitan pizza when it has to be 900 degrees? And then he hacks his oven to get up to 900 degrees and he shows you how to do it. And he goes to Naples and learns how to do the sauce. It's amazing. It's wow. a great. It's a really great show. He was He's now trying to get the mother sauces. So like the, the four French sauces that exist in, you know, in French cuisine. And he was going to uh, a three-star Michelin restaurant to study with the saucier there. And I'm watching this and looking at he's at the Four Seasons in Paris. And Ooh. yeah, I'm looking at it, <laughs> the, the dining Some room and everything. And, fancy shit, exactly. And the first thing that pops in my mind is I used to eat at places like that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to eat at places <laughs> like that and I miss it. And I'm watching it with my girlfriend and she's, she's, she's looking at me. She's like, why do you look so sad right now? <laughs> And I said, I said, well, there was a 10-year period of my life where I just ate wherever I wanted to eat, whenever I wanted to eat, and that was my life. That was – that. Yeah. my life was – I mean, I can't, I can't tell you I how, many, that. how many Michelin star restaurants I've been to in the last 10 years just because – Including the, including the, the bespoke bars. Exactly. In the bespoke – exactly. Exactly. Those, those as well. And, and she said, so you like food that much? I was like, no, it's not, a, it's not even about the food because I'll be honest with you. The majority of the Michelin star meals are eh, – they're they're, 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 they're – I mean, they're good. They're very, very good. But it's not that. It's the whole – service. It's the whole thing from, from the second you walk in the door to the second you walk out the door, it's a show. Obviously, it's a show. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love it. For me, it's like, it's like going to see a great play. And, and she was trying to, I was trying to get her to understand what I was talking about. And I said, okay, you know how you, there are TV shows that you watch while you're washing the dishes? You know, you put a TV show on in the background, you mm-hmm. put Netflix on, like, like Friends or The Office. Good shows, really good well, shows. What the, what's the show that Akshay's watching? The Forge, the Forge, the Knife one. What's the Knife one? Something oh, Forge. Oh, he loves it's that where show. They make and it's about people making. They make they make swords and blades, and okay. you know he's he. You know yeah. the biggest pacifist loves his. <laughs> exactly. He just loves his knives. Exactly. <laughs> but like you know, there's there's those shows that are just kind of like pop culture, just kind of like eh. You know, whatever. You, you don't really have to pay attention to it kind of thing. That's fast food, right? That's fast food TV shows. And then, you know, you go a step up from that. Mm-hmm. You get, a, you get a, a pretty decent movie on Netflix or whatever. Or, uh, and, and, you know, they, then that's, the, that's, a, that's a good restaurant. And then, like, you go to a Michelin star restaurant and it's like 
that film that changes your life. It's like it's Roma, it's Moonlight, it's you know that that's that's the Michelin star eating experience is is a movie, is a film, is a play that you can't stand up at the end and walk out. Like you need to you need to actually process that. So that's what I was mm-hmm. trying to say is like the style of that kind of thing is is uh is what I miss and I, I miss those kind of things because, you know, we're locked down and we're we're watching a lot of Zoom plays and things like that. And it's I don't know, I can't I can't quite tell what that style is. It's not it's not a Michelin star and it's not fast food. It's, <laughs> it's like it's T V dinner. It's, it's kind of like T V dinner, you know? It's Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> it's not Michelin star. It's not home cooked meal. It's more like a TV dinner. It's TV dinner. It doesn't quite satisfy, but you know, you get your calories. You feel like you've done something, but then you feel a little shameful at the end because you're staring at a black screen. <laughs> well, when we're talking about style, we're also talking about aesthetic, aesthetic, yeah. right? Yeah, which exactly. we're also talking about taste, yeah. which I think is a perfect way to. Um, look at aesthetic and style and yeah. all the things that that entails, you know, and I think it starts with the hunger, the food, sating the hunger. What is what is sating the thing that you need in and and it's uh, aesthetics. They 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 run a gamut on us. It's a cultural you have cultural aesthetics, you have personal aesthetics, you have, mm. you know, tribal aesthetics it, it, and they all they all contribute to the style of work that one does and that one is attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. And and you also start to become as an artist yourself, you start to become known for a style. Even if that style is eclecticism that you can't mm. be that you can't be nailed down, that's what you're known as, but a lot of times artists can be pegged into a certain style or a certain aesthetic as well. Yeah. Like a No like one a, wants to be nailed down and no one needs to be pegged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> So uh, shall we take a break and then uh, come back and talk about some style? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Because <laughs> you know I got lots of style. You do. You do. For the, for the apocalypse. <laughs> for the apocalypse. For the apocalypse. Take it away, Purple Planet. Take it away. See you after the break. Thank you, Purple Planet. Thank you, as always, Purple Planet. <laughs> as always. So, listen, how do we begin to even talk about style? I don't know. I mean, because it is such a wide-ranging topic, right? I mean, when we when when I said last week we were going to talk about style, you know the very first thing that popped into my mind? What? The very first thing that popped in my mind was, oh, God, are we talking about George Bernard Shaw and hoop dresses and and fancy shoes? <laughs> Like, is that is that what we're talking about? Because that was what style class was in undergrad. It was a class oh about, about doing old white plays from the Victorian times, and oh my god! <laughs> I thought, please let's not let's let, not let that be what we mean by style. <laughs> well, you're taking me back because that was exactly what 
how I, I and it's funny because I blocked that shit out. Yeah. Because it was horrible. There was, the, there's this, there's this movement technique called the Williamson movement technique, and they have a styles class right. that was, and the, so the Williamson movement technique was attached to the Meisner technique, and oh god, I had lots of issues with this, with this technique, and and it calling itself a movement technique. Um, uh, but like they also had like an advanced kind of. Um, curriculum called and then it was like styles Mm -hmm. and essentially what it was was the faculty acting as kings and queens while all the students were peasants and servants (laughs) (laughs) so basically increasing the colonial design of the curriculum that I was going through and like it just like And, and 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 learning how to show your show your ham, show your calf, this you know, and and how to curtsy, and how to, and how to serve your teacher, who's the ruler of the class. Yeah. How to how to open a fan, how to close a fan, how to how to signal to somebody that you're you're single or taken with a fan. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh my God! Well, and I think actually that's actually a really good place to start. Because that's what was being taught, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. I don't teach any of that stuff at, nope. at the VCA. We don't, we don't co-sign to any of that crap. Doesn't make any VCA. sense anymore. Um, yeah. Doesn't make any sense. And I always was just like, God, why do I always feel like a slave in, this, in these plays? <laughs> it's true. Whenever I would like read these plays, I was always like, and where were my people? They were the slaves. They were the servants. And, you know, I don't see my story here. Okay, so now I have to erase my culture. And and, and it's always never talked about. You know, mm-hmm. it's always convenient. You know, it's a convenient mm-hmm. thing when, when white people say, oh, I don't see race. I was like, because you don't have to, motherfucker. <laughs> right. You yeah. can just walk through the world and and glide. It's like I see people as people. Yeah, you 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 don't have to. You don't have to see you know a, a, a person's race in front of you. But we we are constantly bombarded by having to position ourselves and trying to figure out what room can we be safe in. Mm. You know. And so when you're talking about training styles, you're talking about aesthetic, right? So style gets created from someone's own personal taste. They're like, ooh, I like that. Let's call that commedia. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. Let's call that restoration. You know, and and the and I remember. Oh my God, this is like, and this is really telling. I remember uh, applying for a job in Australia the same time I was applying for a job at La Salle in Singapore, <clears throat> and one of the questions they asked me was, "How do you teach restoration?" And I was like, "Why do you teach what? restoration?" <laughs> exactly i was like huh restoration and i got real black on i was like what's that (laughs) clearly i didn't get the job (laughs) but the thing is i remember but i remember taking a class on restoration i remember doing sheridan and going who's doing sheridan who 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 are doing like oh my yeah, god you know yeah we're doing Shakespeare and every once in a while you might see a Moliere and then you skip two hundred years and then you do Doll's House like you're not doing anything in between who's doing that nobody's doing that nobody's doing that anymore oh, god. Why, so but it, but then yeah. but then my question is and this is this is a serious question is 
Do we assign that to the dustbin of history? Do we modernize? Does it just become museum? You know, if it just becomes museum, then we don't train the people to keep that alive. And then you look at, say, like Shakespeare's Globe in London, which is basically a living museum. They're showing you exactly what Shakespeare's time and dress and the costuming and the all that, which is interesting. But like for what other purpose than that one place, that one stage? Why keep restoration? Yeah. Why do we keep why, – why teach restoration if you're not going to do restoration and why do restoration at all, period? Yeah, what what do we do with that? Well, we do, I think it's it goes back to what we it's like a broken record, you know. It's, it's just like <laughs> every single it's just week, like uh, black as fuck slavery, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it, it goes back to like that's how you are able to keep the systems alive. That's how you're able to keep these these uh, colonial systems alive. They 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 own the institutions and they own the restorations, <laughs> you know, and they're the ones who put value on them, you know, and that's why when you are diversifying your faculty, they bring in a completely different other perspective, you know, and looking at styles, looking at looking at Indian styles, looking at Asian uh, uh, Asian styles, Chinese mm. opera, like you spoke like you spoke of earlier, Chinese opera, and and. Uh, you know, Katakali and, you know, uh, the, the, um, uh, Kecha in, uh, in Balinese uh, culture. There's just so many different styles that can influence and make us better artists yeah. in a, in, in, in a multicultural, intercultural way. <clears throat> because essentially, restoration is a cultural style. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a cultural aesthetic, and and if we're if we're talking about uh, inspiring the next generation of artists, why is restoration important to preserve and move forward? What about restoration is important and move to move forward? Mm. Is it more important to move that forward than African theater? Mm. Is it more important to move that forward than uh, Asian writers? Is it more important to move it forward than? Aboriginal writers. I mean, Kevin Gilbert. Kevin Gilbert, y'all. Everyone, look up Kevin Gilbert. He is a sensational uh, 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 pl- Aboriginal playwright, and he's he's one of our our, our great uh, godfathers in, in 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 the perspective of of uh, writing plays from an from an Aboriginal perspective, and it's just as good as Shakespeare, and and poetic as Shakespeare. You know, so if we're talking about style and, and, and you know, if it, and from like an Aboriginal perspective, if, if, if a character is a tree, why is, why is that deemed lesser than when Shakespeare says they're a tree? Hmm. You know, why is it different than when an African uh, playwright like Wally Shrinka says that it's a, it's a community dirge? How is that different than, uh, uh, um, once more unto the breach, dear friends. Once more, these human, these human, these human uh, uh, needs, and these human senses of taste and aesthetic can be translated across cultures. Yeah, but if you don't create space for it, you have one style that becomes the ruling style. How boring it would be if all we had was one flavor of food. 
We all agreed uh, not to have one flavor of food, but somehow we've we've settled on one style of theater or one style of film to be the predominant taste in the world. I love hamburgers, but I got to have something else other than hamburgers so that I can actually appreciate hamburgers. I want to have French. I want to have Japanese. I want to have Indian. I want to have Nigerian. Mm. I want to taste mm. it all. And yeah, I'm not going to like some things. And I'm never going to mm-hmm. go back to that restaurant. And I'm never going to try that food again. That's too spicy. That has fish in it. That's <laughs> I don't like that. That's an, that's an ugly color. Y'all, Adam is violently allergic to the taste of fish. That's right. <laughs> Anything that is under the water is not going in my mouth. <laughs> it's just not. Just a side note. Yeah, this is a side note. It's <laughs> a side note. So bad theater is fish to me. <laughs> oh my god that's a great t-shirt bad theaters fish. It could say adam it could say adam on the front and on the back it says bad theater is fish to me yeah that's excellent <laughs> that's excellent yeah, look i think i think uh what we need to do is we need to look at the different types of styles let's let's investigate different types of styles and what and we can we can talk about do we need them or not you mm-hmm. know what i mean like we kind of go down go down a list of of uh of styles of theater and we can talk about do we need them or not yeah. you know in this day and age it, it you know in this pandemic generation in this in this conservative <clears throat> Supreme Court generation, you know. So <laughs> let's 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 investigate that. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yes. Do you have a list? Uh, I don't have a list, but I think we can. Okay. I think we can go through a list and kind of make things. I mean, let's just think historically, theater history. Let's start at the beginning, and then we have to decide where okay. that beginning so is because yeah, east exactly. or west. Yeah. Well, we we've got uh, in the east, we've got India. Mm-hmm. In China, mm-hmm. and in the West, we've got Africa, mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything that the Greeks stole from Africa. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look, I think. Well, well, here, here's the, here's the first style: ritual, like which ritualistic, is a, which is a podcast into itself that we're going to have soon. So, yes, we, we definitely want to talk right. about that. It, it does start there. It obviously starts there. It starts with uh, something being a religious ceremony. It starts with people around a campfire. It starts with uh, song. It starts with dance. It starts with with those basic community. elements. Community, exactly. The circle that we talk about from our very first podcast was Jean Guy. People would make a circle. They would be around a fire to keep warm. Somebody would begin talking, somebody would begin speaking, somebody would begin singing, some some music may mm. be played, and eventually someone would probably tell the story of the hunt that day. Probably would mm. tell the story of, you know, the ancestor, this the person who came before, the great king or the great warrior, the the great whatever, to kind of relay that information. And then it goes on and it goes on, and eventually you end up playing that character. And there's theater right that's that's the style that begins and it still works well the style also begins from the taste as well from oh i really like the way adam tells that story booty right. t- booty booty's booty's dance for that for that for that war dance is is not as strong as adam's dance i like yeah. adam's style yeah yeah 
I, I again talking about my uh, the class that I have with my students where we're rethinking everything in this these two years of no theater. Um, I was saying that you know when we look at when we look at traditional, and I'm saying traditional not as in, in an ancient sense, but as in coming from an indigenous community. When we look at traditional art, we are looking at it with our Western educated eyes. And we go, yeah. hmm, interesting. Okay. But what we need to do is we need to investigate how can I look at that and judge it from the aesthetic of that community? Is that dance good from the community's point of view? Because I'm sure they have bad dance in their community as well. And they don't want, you know, people <laughs> they don't want, you know, they don't want tourists looking at bad dance from their community. They put out probably the best that they can. But how can we also judge from our non from a non-Western educated point of view of what we think theater should be, to then look at that and go, ah, I can break down the molecules of that and find the essence of those things and go, wow, as as you always talk about, that's got taksu, that's got finesse, that's got, you know, the the use of space, their use of their their the tempo relation is is amazing. Just break it down like a dancer would and go, that's phenomenal body control. Instead of go, I don't know. I don't really see a story there. Well, I think the the the, the big question is, why am I feeling this way? Mm. Why is this in alignment with my aesthetics? Why is this going up against my aesthetics? Why do I? Why do I have the taste of this is delicious? Wow, I really like this. Or why do I have disgust towards it? Yeah. And this is the thing: if you're if it's creating behavior in you. It's doing something. If it's creating behavior in you, if it's creating a, an opinion in you, it's doing something. Whether it's art or not, that's an aesthetic. That's an aesthetic um, uh, relationship that you have to it. But there are some things that are undeniably boldly fierce, and that's where that toxic that you were talking about comes in. Yeah. It's undeniably amazing, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's between like terror and pleasure all happening at the same time. Yeah, I don't. It's like looking I don't at a, quite underscore. I don't. Yeah, I don't quite understand it, but I, I can't look away. Yeah, it's that. It's that thing of going like, yeah. I don't know what's yeah. going on, but this is just. It's 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 rapturous. Yeah. Well, I look okay. So then, see, I, I, we're, we're. I feel like we're caught up in the cog of of talking about style because it's it's one of those things that like once you start making a a a, a, a choice about what it means, there's a, there's another why that comes in. But and but and but, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I think what would be interesting is if we could even talk about um the kind of shows you know do we need to are we going to stay with are we just going to stay with theater or are we going to push it into uh television and and film yeah i think i think i know how much you love television and film i do love television (laughs) and film it's readily available to me 24 hours a day um but i also i have a i have a love-hate relationship with film because um i do theater and I think that for, I think theater for so long has been trying to compete with television and film. And as I say all the time, we're losing. So let's change the battle. Let's stop doing what television and film is doing and let's start doing what okay, theater so does better. In your opinion, in your opinion, and I think, I think we maybe should take a break for this so you can think yeah. about this. Um, can you tell us what styles from your aesthetic 
are essential, are important, are a great way to learn something about creating another form of that style or that style is within itself creates opening for contemporary theater. Yep. Okay. Okay. Let's just do three. Let's not do the, yeah. Let's not, let's not do the whole gamut because we'll just end up in one of our, (laughs) our like spirals down the drain of like, what the hell did we just talk about? Just pick three, three, three major styles and from your opinion, that are essential for the contemporary theater maker. Okay. Mm. Yeah, we need to take a break for that so I can think about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think Purple Planet needs to take care of this one for us. Purple Planet, you better <laughs> bring some inspiration here. <laughs> Come on, Purple Planet, do it for us. Come on. See you all after the break. <laughs> his nail because he's still thinking about his list i'll start with one i'll okay. throw one out okay and then and then i can probably do it one um, at a time yeah okay all right so one style that i think is important for the contemporary theater is ritual I think that's, I think it's, yeah. Ritual, if you're doing theater, you need to feel that style. Now, what's, now, what within ritual? Because there, you know, you've got the ritual of, you know, doing the same thing over and over again that has a repetitive nature to it. You have the ritual where you have objects in the space that, uh, that serve for the supernatural. You have ritual for preparation for the the event where you do a ceremony and a prayer before the before the performance and then you close it out with a ceremony and prayer. You have ritual where the gods commune with the community and the actor and the and the performance and the story is the vessel for which to make contact with the supernatural. This is why I think ritual is important. So by you saying that, that uh, I'm sitting here in my mind actually tr- going through theater history, trying to pick out styles of what's the most important thing. But by you saying that, it actually takes me in a different direction completely. And I know exactly what I want to say now. Uh, there is – I do have a list that I always work with when I'm making theater. And I know that I don't live up to this list. Um, <laughs> but it's something that I always strive for. And it's what I always look for in great theater. And in, in, in great theater, I find it. It is parable, ritual, spectacle. Ooh. And well, can you can you define those for us, please? Yes. And so it it comes from um, it comes from I, I can't now. I'm going to get this story wrong. I'm just I'm going I'm going ahead and prefacing this story is not 
factually accurately correct. This is what I remember this story to be. So if anybody out there has this information, please let me know because I've been thinking that this is what this story is and I know that the story is wrong. It's either a Hebrew idea of the universe or it's an Indian idea of the universe. And it goes like this. Um, what theater is supposed to do is it is it is supposed to um, entertain the drunk man. It is supposed to tell us why we are here. It is supposed to tell us why the universe exists. So yeah, spect- spectacle entertains the drunk man. Tells us why we are here is the parable. Tells us why the universe exists is the ritual. And that's what oh, I always strive to make. And again, I don't, I, I don't I know if it's, a, I don't know if it's a Hebrew thing or an Indian thing, but it's something I, I remember hearing this story uh, twenty Hebrew, thirty years ago. Indian, it's a human thing. I think that thing. resonates for us as human beings. Yeah, I love that. So say it one more time, so because I know some people are writing stuff, and so they don't have to yeah. like push re- rewind. Say that again. So, um, parable, ritual, spectacle. Uh, the spectacle. It has theater has to entertain the drunk man. <laughs> Parable, it has to tell us why we are here. Ritual, it has to tell us why the universe exists. That's what theater is supposed to do. I love that. Okay, so then if those are our three categories, yeah, what fits into spectacle? What is the spectacle style that you respect? <sighs> Respect, or I think, is essential because I respect circus. Yeah, I was just—I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was thinking—I was thinking Cirque du Soleil. That was a, my first thought. Yeah, I—I I, like my family's background is in the circus. I was going to run away and join the circus. I was either de- debating yeah. join the circus or go to go to undergrad. And uh, circus for me has always been a place of magic. Oh, um, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think I'm talking Ringling, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey is where I started. But then obviously when we all we all saw Cirque du Soleil, rest in peace, Cirque du Soleil that no longer exists because of coronavirus. Um, oh, did it? Did it? Did it? The coronavirus kill Cirque du Soleil? They shut it down. They went bankrupt. Yeah. This year. This, this summer. Oh, that's so, well, the, 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 the phoenix will yeah. arise once this it'll, is all over. They'll there's, come back. Those artists now, are incredible. That, they have to make work. Exactly. Now that the world knows uh, what circus can be, what circus should be, and it, when it really kind of reinvigorated the renaissance of circus, it will it will be there. But it it's magic. It's magic. It's spectacle. Mm. It's it's everything that just makes you a child. And that's that's what it really kind of is for me. Is it has to you know it has to entertain the drunk. I always say, um, <laughs> I always say that children's theater is like. God's anointed theater. It's like if really good children's theater is excellent theater, because if you can make a three-year-old stop, you can arrest a three-year-old and make them, you know, not say something and really just make them watch, then you've done something right. And I love stupid theater. My students know this about me. I love stupid theater, not as in unintelligent theater, but as in it's just silly and crazy Mm -hmm. and great. And it's just, it's so stupid. I love it. And that's circus is stupid theater. Clown is stupid theater. It's just it just touches something inside of you. <laughs> it touches your heart. It touches yeah. a place that you don't have to intellectualize about it. You can just be drunk and enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So you're saying that kids are like drunks? Well, yeah. Have you ever been around a kid? Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, toddlers are toddlers are old, like old drunk men and women. <laughs> they're falling down all the time. They're slurring their words. Yeah, they're drunk. They're little just drunk people. Their heads are too Trying heavy to make for their sentences. bodies. Yeah. <laughs> They poop themselves. Yeah. They pee themselves. You gotta, yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. pick them up and carry them. Sometimes they hit their heads <laughs> yeah. on things. Yeah, they're just drunk people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that well, look, we're, we 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 have you know, it's like we could easily be on like you know the, some of those 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 YouTube uh, shows. We're like, do how much do you know your best friend? Well, clearly, <laughs> we're on the same page when it comes to spectacle. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. I just love circus. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. You know, sons, the animal, you know, uh, abuse. But like when it comes to the bodies that are able to do what they do in, in Cirque du Soleil and the mm-hmm. sense of uh, amusement and wonder that comes out of. Uh, do you remember the, do you, what was the name of the show? Uh, the one in the water in New York where like they swung around and it was like every, you ended up getting wet. Everyone just, everyone oh. just ended up getting it was just called O. Is it Cirque du Soleil? It was called O. Not the, not, not the Cirque du Soleil one, but the, there was another show in the city. Um, it was on Union Square. It's where Slava Snow Show used to be. Mm. Oh goodness, what was it called? Where like was they it? were swinging on trapezes and oh, like um, they jump down and grab you and pull you up. And Fuerza Bruta? Is that the one you're thinking of? Yes. Where they had the, yeah, yes, it, it yes, came yes, down yes. on your head and they were jumping into the pool on top of your head and it was like a plastic yeah. sheet that you could look up through. Yeah. Fuerza Bruta. Yeah. 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 Good old, good stuff. Okay. So that's spectacle. So parable, what is an essential parable style? This is where it gets difficult because this is all about the story. So... Mm how do we tell the stories or what stories do we tell? So it's not the what stories we tell, it's how we tell these stories. And I don't think, and I think the 20th century has been dominated by naturalism and realism, right? And I don't Mm -hmm. think that is the answer. Um, But I don't know if I have off the top of my head what the answer of the parable style that works the best. I mean, maybe I I know that what I would lean toward more, what I would feel more comfortable watching more and that's more of an epic style because it is such a Mm -hmm. it is it lends itself to so many interpretations of of uh allowing for large and intimate allowing for um ancient and modern allowing for um uh, being present and also being being artificial you know uh so i think an epic style might be the best especially in the theater because that that definitely does not translate to film that definitely does not translate to television so for the theater then i would say an an epic style maybe is where i would lean toward but i'm not entirely comfortable with that answer what do you think i'm gonna say i'm gonna say magical realism yeah yeah and 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 from the lens of uh playwrights like jose rivera yeah where and, and it and that that because for me, that's kind of like what happens in my head. 
Like yeah. this is reality, but my, I'm I spin in these in these hyper realities where my where I'm allowed to play with my my imagination and and it drives my husband crazy because my me and my conspiracy theories. He's like, that's the first thing you thought of, like. <laughs> <laughs> you like things like things like um like uh uh like uh i didn't like i didn't get uh like when i was uh, <laughs> when i was trying to like get my um my ballot for for uh the election yeah and i tried twice and it just kept not working and i was like voter fraud voter fraud and this is like it's suppression this is voter suppression yeah. and it actually goes is that the first thing you're thinking? I think this voter suppression goes, why don't we try a different browser? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, and we went to a different browser and voila. It, it, it works. <laughs> it works. It, it turns works. out Chrome doesn't want to, to suppress my vote. Only Safari. <laughs> <laughs> Only Safari did. So I think magical realism for me, because it it it, it sits in two worlds. It sits in a spiritual mm. place, yeah, and it also sits in and it sits in a tangible place. Yeah, it is it is my favorite literary genre, and for the longest time, I was only interested in making magical realism in my plays. Mm. I, that's I wanted I to say. I mean, my friend, my friends were like, Ugh, another magical realism thing you're trying to make again. <laughs> um, and I I kind of I kind of didn't really turn my back on it, but I I kind of like left it to the side, but there's always, I mean, cause there's, but, but you know, my plays, there's always a spiritual element. There's always a, a God in the machine kind of thing. There's always something mm. that I add to my Shakespeare, to my, uh, to the plays that Stephen writes, to the devised pieces that I do. There's always something, there's always something that's not seen. That's, that's a fate is entering mm. into my plays. So yeah, I think I'm still doing it anyway. I think you're right. Yeah. Magical realism. Hmm. And then ritual, ritual. Um, yeah, I don't know what is what is a ritual style. Well, you know me. I, I'm a Bali. I'm a Bali junkie. So the whole ritual theater of Bali is what I I co- com- completely 100 percent co-signed to. And, you know, and and w- w- running in tandem with it is is African uh, theater, African ritual. You know, mm. uh, and and and. Like and I I say Willie Shrinka often because he, he we also have we also have uh, Goge Wathiyango, uh Kenyan playwright who wrote I Will Marry When I Want, um, and those two playwrights they just get me going, man. Goge Goge for for his political nature inside of inside of his theater, um, but uh, uh, Willie Shrinka for really bringing forward the the ritual space in contemporary literature. You know, because oftentimes it, it feels like ritual has to be something that is ancient, you know, mm. that is not contemporary, you know. And like I've, I've said before, like I, when I, we were talking to Elizabeth in the, our podcast um, about like putting Asia into this, uh, uh, this, this box of like, oh, it's traditional work. It's like the only way they survive is by being contemporary. Yeah. So looking at contemporary ritual spaces and contemporary ritual aesthetics of performance in the Balinese has, has changed me explicitly in how I train actors and the aesthetics in which I integrate into contemporary performance. My brain is running slow and, and I'm, I'm catching up. I'm catching up later and going, of course, I know what what ritual style I would incorporate because I incorporate it 
in everything that we do. <laughs> and and I've talked about it before with Arya Manushkin, with uh, mm -hmm. the companies in Singapore, Makan before before rehearsal. It's what we did before mm -hmm. every single rehearsal as well. It is mm -hmm. the sitting down as a community, breaking bread, eating, and then mm -hmm. entering into the space together and making that community aspect yeah. together. And it's it's what I talk about from the very first podcast to this one, which is I'm I'm not that I'm not interested in what's happening on stage, but I'm more interested in what's happening around the stage. The audience's experience from the very beginning to the very end of I'm we're inviting these guests into our community. They are mm -hmm. going to become a part of our community and then they're going to leave our community, but they're going to take a piece of our community with them out into the world. And so it's not just open the doors and they go, but from the second we invite them in to the second that we, we can no longer see them, that's the ritual for me, is creating this giant mm. circle of bringing people in and and breaking bread, sharing something with them, experiencing something with them, um, going through some things, challenging some norms, questioning some uh, white elephants, uh, doing all these things together and still being able to hold hands at the end, still being able to say, okay, I see, I see you, you see me. I see where you're coming from, you see where I'm coming from. We still may not see eye to eye, but at least we, we can live in the same zip code. We, we at least can be in the same room together. We, we don't have to hate each other. We just have to know where each other is coming from. That, that ritual part for me is, is every single time. That's, that's, that's what is for me is what needs to be done. Well, and I think that the idea of community in that sense is also a great idea because, you know, not all black people have the same opinions. Exactly. Not all white people have the same opinions. Yeah, not exactly. all people from a particular culture have the same opinions. We, I mean, we, <laughs> we, we, we constantly talk about that, you know, in our podcast with the, being Americans. But to, we're going, if we're going down the race, the, the, the race path, it's like people are different. Mm. And, you know, and I like to sit at the top of class and the very first day of school and sit down in a circle and say, look to your left and look to your right. You may think you know what that person is like or who that person is or where they come from, but I guarantee you, I bet you don't. Yeah. So let's meet each other. Yeah. Let's see where we intersect in the world. Yeah. And I start with myself and I tell them, you know, I'm a, a queer um, black man from America <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm married to an Indian man. You know, and I and uh, and this is my life. This has been my journey as an artist, and this is my philosophy. This is my this is my politic in the space for for making art. And I'm I'm really curious about you know what is what is what is the environment that you're bringing in? What is the culture you're bringing into the room? Mm. It's really important that we that we create space for that because it empowers the room. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think we should take a break yeah. because when we come back, um, I think we should talk about uh, things that fall into those realms of the, um, the spectacle, parable, ritual space that may not be theater, but that are theatrical and could be an investigation for an artist to put on stage. Okay. How's that, that sound? Good. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> All right, Purple Planet, take it away because I got, I need to think on that one. That one came that one came from really high up, so I need to figure out what I'm going to say. I need to think about it as well. You just dropped it on me, and you're the one who came up with it. 
<laughs> All right, Pope Planet, here we go. See you after the break. So, I posed a complicated you, very complicated <laughs> before we went on break. Um, and I think we can start with spectacle. Yeah. Because I think that's probably the easiest one. Yeah. Something that's not, the, that's not necessarily considered theater, but is the spectacle. And the first thing that I think of is the whole Donald Trump administration. <laughs> yeah because his because his whole his whole constituency is 50 percent drunk <laughs> they gotta be drunk i swear to god they gotta be drunk sadly they're very sober. it's like <laughs> yeah that's that's really scary that's really scary no i would say i would say spectacle um is the donald trump presidency is because he thrives on spectacle. Of course, yeah. He thrives on being, being. Um, it's you know, distraction. Appealing it's, it's to of, the, the lowest common denominator. It's, yeah, it's sleight of hand. It's distraction. It's it's look over here. Uh, don't focus. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. You know, it's the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So then we so then we would say that spectacle in this case would be absurdist because he's clearly ubuwa. Alfred Jari's play, Ubu Wa, R-O-I, spelled U-B-U-R-O-I, Ubu Wa. And it's it's something you said before in an earlier podcast where you can have negative taksu as well. You can have you can yeah, have taksu exactly. that that you can use to manipulate, and in this case, it, it is very much very much that kind of that sense that kind of sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking. You know, we even call it this uh, security theater after nine eleven, where ooh, you know, ooh. we go. We go to the airport and we go through all those scanners and the and the <laughs> microwave thing and the take off her shoes and take off her belt and remove this and remove all that. It doesn't actually keep us any safer, but it makes you think that you're safe, <laughs> and so you perform this every single time. Yeah. And so it's security theater. So this it's the distraction from actually solving the actual problem. The actual problem being that no yeah. other country on earth has to go through the security that United States has to go through. Why? <laughs> Why can I use my thumbprint <laughs> to go through the airport in Singapore, but I've got to wait in line three hours in the United States? It's not because just because yeah, exactly. um, they, they don't like our democracy. That's not – why we were attacked they don't like our democracy they don't they, they attacked us for many many other reasons some of it maybe maybe <laughs> being that they don't like our democracy but they, the 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 theater of blocking the real reason and not actually still doing anything about it yeah so distraction manipulation yeah spectacle but it's happening this is a true spectacle it's all spectacle <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> All right, so the, I think this the next one is the hardest one for me. Yeah. 
parable. Yeah. What are the stories? I would say for me, it would, and it's, this is the thing. It's, it's, it's the documentary. It's the documentaries that we are, you know, the, 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 the five, the five episode documentaries, like, you know, like the one on Osho, the, you know, the, 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 the it's like, it, 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 it feels like it's documenting uh, a, a certain consciousness of a, of a, of a period of people. And it, and that's what this world falls into now is this reality TV. And I feel like fortunately we've got documentaries that can actually show us what's really happening, mm-hmm. but like, but it's not reality TV in a sense where it's staged and performed, but we, as a, we, as a, a global citizens, we get really excited about the sense of realities that are separate from ours. No, I know what it is. What is it? Instagram. <gasps> Instagram. Okay, do tell. Instagram is okay, the false. Instagram is the false parable. Because well, it's a false parable. Okay. Yeah, because you're seeing a slice of a very well curated life. You're seeing a very well thought Ooh. about, put together moment that is not real, and it's trying to influence you in a way, and people are thinking that. Um, that's what life is. Life is living on a beach and life is traveling and being a digital nomad and doing this and that and the other. And what they don't see is the either the incredible amount of work that is done to make that or the incredible amount of people that are behind that influencer person who is making that happen or the fact that uh, happiness does not come from living on a beach. Happiness comes from being happy and then you get to live on a beach. There's a difference there. I think that's the parable that everybody is stuck in. <laughs> Social social media is the parable, is the false parable. I love that. Happiness comes from being happy, and then you find the beach. Yeah, <laughs> to put it you on. Don't get, you don't get you don't get happy from being on a beach. You get happy from being happy, and then you get to go to a beach. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Okay, I, I think I think you won that one. I, def- <laughs> I, I I totally agree with that one. I totally agree with that one. You know, and I and I I was I was pulling documentary out of my ass because I was just like, fucking, how do we do? What no, is but it? I, th- I think terrible? I think you what are right it? about it. But I think I think social media, Instagram, trumps because we are constantly looking yeah. at other people's lives and judging our lives against those things. And 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 yeah. what what started what started me down that path was when you said reality TV, and I was like, yeah, you're yeah, that's what it is. But reality TV, we have reality TV every single day on our phones. Yeah. And we're yeah. choosing, we're choosing to look at other people's lives and hear those stories, false stories, a, a very, a slice of a very well curated story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then ritual. Ritual. Well, the ritual we have now, this is not a false ritual, the ritual of hand sanitizers, masks, uh, you know, Putting the, the 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 solution on your feet. This is a whole ritual that we're we're all undertaking right now. Some of us are undertaking. The smart ones are undertaking right now. But in terms of a of a ritual that is, I mean, we're thinking of a. I'm thinking of negative rituals. I'm thinking of things that are taking theater's place for ritual. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna uh, maybe not uh, have some fans here when I say this, but I'd say. Modern. <laughs> mo- I'm going to say contemporary modern religion. The ritual of going Can you to church. Elaborate on that. The ritual of going to church on Sunday because that's what you do. 
the ritual of going to uh, without without actual yeah. spirit in your body that just it's going for that the it's 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 a it's a ritual to go and do that not because you actually have any spirit not uh, but you could also extend that out to um yoga without actually you, oh, know, you know doing I yoga think once that's a month even more appropriate you know or the the angry i call it you know the angry the angry yogi the ones that don't actually deal with like their real emotions, and they come and they go, okay, everyone's really happy. Yeah. Uh, okay, go to Kachataranga, and they're like they're full of rage. So that's what it, it's, judgment. it's. So spirituality, quote unquote, spirituality, I think is the is the the ritual because people people want rituals, you know. The, the, mm-hmm. I, I've seen I've been in yoga classes my girlfriend's a yoga teacher I've seen people who like more buying the Lululemon pants and rolling out their new mat <laughs> than the actual doing of <laughs> yeah the active wear baby yeah yeah. This, but okay so you so are you saying like are you saying like uh, neo spirituality neo or just the yeah, whole spirituality but, movement no to not, begin I with? mean well I'm not saying spirituality in, in general because if you if you are genuinely feeling the spirit, if you are genuinely involved in a, a practice of philosophy or religion or meditation or or study, then yes, all that's fantastic. Our people should should really invest in that. I'm talking about the you know going to one yoga class a month is not going to do you any good. You're going to learn nothing. <laughs> Uh, you know, two meditation classes does nothing for you. If you do, if you go and do goat yoga, if you do wine yoga, you are not practicing those things. If you go, to, if, you know, if you go to church, or you go to yoga competitions, you go to yoga competitions. But I mean, even, but the same thing. You know, what was it? What was it? The Martin Luther King said the the most segregated hour on earth is uh, twelve p.m. on a Sunday. It's the thing of like you go to church because you hmm. go to church because that's the thing you 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 you're supposed to do. Like I stopped going to church when I stopped being made to go to church. And, you know, I, I can't tell you the last time my dad went to a church. Uh, do I consider him a religious man or a spiritual man? No, not really. Am I worried about his soul? No, not really. Uh, it's, but it's, it's the thing of like you, you go because you have to go. Not because you want to go, not because there's a need to go, but because you have to go. Or, or you're performing your spirituality. That's the other thing, performing your spirituality, which is what those people who go to the yoga class once a month, who, you know, who wear <laughs> athlesi- athleisure wear all day long, but they don't go to the gym. It's, they're performing their whatever that is. Yeah. Because they like, their, like, like the ritual of it. Well, so then, so then, what is the function of the ritual? Because, um, for me, uh, the spiritual practice is the actual reason to have religion. It's the that's, spiritual practice. Should be yes. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like the whole reason why we have religion is for the spiritual practice and how it makes my body feel and how I'm connected yeah. to the community and God and the nature. You know, and so I hear what you're saying. So it's so it's like it's like lifeless intention well it because we're so used to ritual in our life that when we no longer have uh intention behind it we still want the 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 ritual you know people i can't remember who said this so if anybody knows please let me know i think it's i think maybe elias canetti said this uh in his book crowds and power people don't go to church for for religion they go to church to stand and sit and that kind of that kind of boils it down of like you know 
It's it's the things that you know is always going to happen there. It's needing because the world is so chaotic, because the world is so absolutely outside of your control. Those places where you can control something, you hold on really tightly to them unless you actually have that inner core of spirituality, which is what religion and spirituality was supposed to be for and what you were talking about. Well, but a lot of people don't have I that. Think well, see, this is the thing where we're, and it's a cultural thing as well. Because when I think of, when I think of of, of religion, and I think of the positive aspects of religion, I think of my aunt Celia. She don't play. She is like, she's the first person to walk out of a church. She'll go into a church that like, she's like, oh, I, I got to get out of here. Where are you going, Celia? Where are you going? There's no God in this house. Yeah. I got to go. Yeah. I don't have time. I got to get to a church that has God in the house. And she'll, I was, and she'll, she'll get up and be like, he's a liar. She'll, she'll like call out the preacher and be like, he's a liar. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's something that I, 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 I um, can attest to from the African-American community of just how the ritual space uh, of, of religion is so powerful and potent, but it also comes from our diasporic and, uh, uh, development of, of the religion in America from our African roots, you know, where it becomes that ritual space where you feel the spirit coming in, where you, where the, where the, the preacher is tapped into a whole nother place. You know, and that's and that's the kind of theater that I think needs to be more available to us. That kind of where the where you're you're not your body is not separate from the person who's delivering the 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 voice and the 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 it's even even the parable within the ritual. Mm -hmm. You know, telling Mm -hmm. telling these stories like. You know, I'm not I'm not uh, Christian, but I love me some Jesus. You know me. <laughs> that story just gets me going, man. Like I think about I think about I think about the whole story of Jesus, and I I my body illuminates. It's you know, a beautiful story. And it's a great story. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> you know, so I hear you. I hear you when when people just go into this mindless mindless doldrum everyday uh, commitment to a ritual. Hmm. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I think I think you know that's a that's a good scratching of style. Yeah. But what would be great is you know uh, if we can hear from our listeners on you know questions around style because it's a it's a really it's a big one. Yeah. So I think we should take a break and then and and talk about some provocations. Yeah. Questions and provocations time. Qu- questions and provocations. Yeah. Hundred percent. Take it away, Purple Planet. See y'all in a minute. See you in a minute. And we're back, and we're back. So, Adam, yeah. Do you have a question or provocation around this style uh, debate conversation conundrum? Well, I'm going to push the parable ritual spectacle thing again. Um, so, folks listening, think back to 
the best thing you've ever seen. Let's let's not just say theater, but if you can if you if you're thinking about theater as we're thinking about theater, think of the best play you've ever seen and try and tick off the boxes. Try and look at that list and go, what's the parable there? What's the ritual there? What's the spectacle there? What is it that does it tick those boxes? There's there's something that is um, do, does it line does it line up with these things? You know, can I can I look at my my second favorite thing? My you know, is it true that these things are kind of a universal thing across the board, across cultures, across genres, across mediums? Is it true? Is it, or is it just our idea that this is what it is? Um, we would love to hear what your favorite show is. And if it lined up, if the parable ritual spectacle idea lined up. And of course, so that's my first question. My second question is, anybody know where that parable ritual spectacle thing come from? <laughs> anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know where I've gotten this idea from because I know it's not my idea. I know I heard it somewhere probably 30 <laughs> years ago and I can't remember who told it to me. You know, it's probably in some book that I read that you may be reading currently. Um, but I would love to hear those things. So parable ritual spectacle, does it line up with your favorite play? Yeah, and I think I think I'd like to know what styles are not represented as uh, traditionally, for lack of a better word, traditional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or we were talking about the seventy-five percent of the curriculum is centered around uh, archaic. Uh, uh, styles you know so what styles do we do we not need what styles do we not need is what i want to know what can we let go what of? styles should we just throw out what can we let go of and why and if we let it go what do you want to put in its place what would you like to put in its place like for example shakespeare if we can just let it go what do you want to put in its place yeah who would you like to put in its place right so, because this is the conversation we need to be having anyway, so let's open it up to the world. Call in, send us an email, let us know what you think and, and what's 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 brewing for you. Um, and we're 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 ready to see how we can talk around it and see if we can possibly answer it for you. And if not answer it, I'll create more confusion for you to keep looking for yourself. <laughs> 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 and you can send those uh, you can send those comments those questions to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others again speakpipe.com backslash theater of others theater with an R-E uh, if you'd like to send us an email if you're if you're the old school type, like some of us are, uh, it's podcast at theaterofothers.com. <laughs> we'll even uh, accept we'll even accept messages on our Facebook page if you still do Facebook. I don't know why we do Facebook <laughs> anymore. Why, why do we want to be on Facebook anymore and see these horrible things that are happening in the world? Um, but yeah, we'll take any message any way we can. We'll take smoke signals if we need to. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments, your questions, your provocations back to us, your challenge to to uh, some of the things that we're saying. Uh, we just love hearing from you. Yeah, and subscribe, y'all. Subscribe, subscribe. It helps us out so much. Not that you just listen. We love that you listen. We would love for you to subscribe as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we know who's out there. So yeah. we know who's out there. Yeah. Well, I think that one's uh, a wrap, yeah. Mr. Marple. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we're talking about next week? 
What are we talking about next week? So this was the theater. So what's the next section that we jump into after the theater? Le acteur. Le yeah. acteur. And so last and... week, the last time we were in this section, we were talking about the actor's body. So now huh. we're going to the actor's voice. Ooh, the actor's voice. Do you have anything Whoa. you may want to say about that next next time? Uh, yeah, I think I got a little bit to say about that. Okay, well, if you don't have anything to say, that. I guess I could talk the entire time because you know how how deeply interested <laughs> I am in the actor's voice. <laughs> That's true. Well, we can tell from their beautiful, sexy, you know, uh, smoky tones yeah, <laughs> on right. your mic. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be dead silent next time we're talking about it because this is this is not my wheelhouse. It's all you next time. The voice. Yeah, but you always say that, and then you end up hogging the, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know your ways. Your Jedi mind tricks will not work on me. <laughs> okay, Adam, it's good to see you. You as well. And I'll see you for rehearsal at some point. Yeah, once once I figure out the schedule. Having having five different time zones is, is a real pain to make a rehearsal schedule, but, you know. It's fun to see it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Or hear you soon. Or you can hear us soon. Or we'll be talking soon. You'll be listening soon. Something's going to happen soon. Subscribe is what he's saying, everybody. Just subscribe. We'll see subscribe. you later. <laughs> subscribe. 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 <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey.